The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. I mean, when I started driving cars, whereas my father was always, he was very supportive, but other people would say, is she mad or something? Or where does she put, you know, and they'd, I'd be walking down Grafton Street with my mother and it would be, is she mad? You know, people coming towards me would be saying, because I tumbled down sides of mountains in Monte Carlo and Africa, and because I travelled all over the world, uh, rallying and racing. But the thing was, there was no none of the social media. There was none of anything like that. So nobody knew where I was, what I was doing, whether I was having crashes. And when I came back, I mean, I probably have as many gold, silver and bronze medals, except we didn't get things like that. We just got maybe a piece of tin thrown at us or, well, not quite, but given to us. But we never got actually any um, big prizes and we certainly didn't get any prize money. I mean, unless now, you know, they're all talking about getting more women into all the various elements of sport. They can't get into motorsport unless they're from a very wealthy family or, and they won't get a sponsor unless they've gone out and won something. And if they haven't won anything, because they haven't had the money to start in the first place. So it's really, it's, uh, it's very difficult for them. I'd love to see more girls doing it. I would absolutely love it because there are so few. There are so few. And that's the voice of Rosemary Smith, who has died aged 86. I'm joined on the line now by Ger Herbert, motoring editor for the Sunday Independent. Ger, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Uh, Rosemary was a pioneer. There's no question about that. A female in the driving seat at a time when it just was not done. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, she just, I, I think with her, it wasn't even a feminist thing. It was just, why wouldn't I do it? She never saw any reason why a woman couldn't compete at the same level as men. And that really was it. And that was the driving force behind everything she did is, why couldn't I do it? You know, why, why wouldn't I give it a try? And she really was an incredible character. Her dad was an amateur driver and taught her to drive at the tender age of... 11. Yeah, she was only yeah, she was only 11. And then she was 16 when she managed to get her driving license and basically she went to the post office with her mother and at the time you were just asked what age you were and she you couldn't actually get a license till you were 17 but she was only 16 and she said to them well I'm only when I'm 17 they said fine and there she went. She had her driving license and the thing about Rosemary was she was a very self-conscious and painfully shy teenager and I think driving just gave her this whole new outlet and it just you know it was a newfound freedom for her so, so she just loved it from the beginning. Now, she was involved in in fashion for a period because she qualified, I think, from the Grafton Academy. Uh, She was statuesque. She was, what, about six foot tall, I suppose. Um, But as a driver, she was incredible. Uh, Started as a navigator, didn't have much of a a talent for that, but it turned out that in the driver's seat, she was magnificent. Oh, she was fantastic. Yeah, she wasn't. I, I can imagine Rosemary wouldn't be a very good navigator. She's somebody who would need to be in control. And once behind the wheel, she realised this is where I need to be. But yeah, I mean, she competed in six Monte Carlo rallies, the Scottish and Geneva rallies, the Circuit of Ireland, the Tour de France. She did it all. As that clip said, she travelled the world driving. She really did. And she had some amazing adventures and some great stories to tell. Now, there's one famous uh, story where... Um her engine developed some sort of trouble and it would not go forward. What did she do? 
Yeah, this was on the Khyber Pass. That they, this was in the um, the London to Sydney rally. And um, yeah, she discovered um, that it just wouldn't, as you said, she, there was a mechanical issue. There was damaged pistons and it wouldn't go forward. But, you know, the ever resourceful Rosemary remembered that her father always told her that if a car can't go forward, it'll go in reverse. So she literally completed the last stage, the 33 mile stage in reverse. 33 miles in reverse. Yeah. Quite, quite ex- extraordinary. Um, she also, uh, as a one-off, I think, was the, the oldest person to drive a Formula One car. When did that happen? Yeah, this was thanks to uh, to Renault and uh, to Paddy McGee, the Irish operations manager at the time. So they they decided that this would be an amazing thing to do and they brought her to France and this was in 2017. And it was reported she was the oldest woman to drive a Formula One car. She was actually, as you said, the oldest person ever to drive a Formula One car. And she had she did a few laps around the track in a Clio and then got into the Formula One. And apparently she took to it like a duck to water. No stalling, no nothing, just got into it, drove and loved it. She said at the experience afterwards that she just wanted to do it all over again. So, oh, And she was inducted into the Federation Internationale de Véhicules Anciens. Uh, in 2022, uh, a huge accolade. Uh, I don't think we shall see her like again because in terms of women in motorsport, not much has changed. No, and as she rightly um, says in that clip, a lot of it just is to do with sponsorship. It's, it's like it's so difficult to get sponsorship in motorsport and 99.9% of it goes to men. It's really, really hard for women to secure it. And without sponsorship, they just cannot, you know, compete on the same level. So it is, it's very hard to see. Well, things are changing, but not as rapidly as, as I suppose many of us would hope. Uh, Darren in Kildare said, I had the great pleasure of meeting Rosemary on the first Cannonball Ireland run in 2009. She had a friendly word for everyone and she certainly knew how to party. A great lady, says Darren. Now, Ger, we were going to talk to you also on this business of commuting times and uh, on average people in Meath have the longest uh, commuting time. Um, but many people reading that story will say, sure, I commute an hour and a half every day, not 35 minutes. Yeah, well, it does say that workers from Mead, Wicklow and Kildare have the highest amount of long commutes of more than an hour. So, I mean, an average is never a good measure of of anything, really. So, you know, I think 35 minutes or 34 minutes for people in Kildare would mean very little. But I would, you know, I would imagine a lot of them are doing more than an hour. And I suppose... The, the thing that I suppose was I was struck with these statistics is one of the you know the core objectives we have as a national target is to reduce the amount of vehicle kilometres we travel by 20% by 2030. And when you see these figures, you have to ask yourself, how is that going to be achieved? Yeah, I know that uh, you're four kilometres from your local train station. So if you want to use public transport, you've got to get there first. And then, of course, park and ride. Is the park and ride full? And what do you do then? Yeah, so that's the option. I mean, I live at, there's a I live on a rural road. It's an 80 kilometre speed limit. It really isn't conducive to cycling or walking. So therefore, I have to take my car. When I get to the train station, if you're not there by seven o'clock in the morning, Pat, you won't get a space. It's so crowded. You won't even park a bike. It's that bad. So, I mean, if we're, you know, so then what is the option? So really, if we're going to try and get people out of their cars, we have to make the alternatives as attractive and as easy as possible. And just extending, you know, car spaces in the train station would be a big, it would be a start. So I think that's the biggest issue is we're just not providing the alternatives. Mm. Your point is it's not, it should not be about making the car really unattractive to use, but more about making public transport really attractive to use. 
Yeah, I think people will always choose the easiest and most convenient option and public transport has to be that. You know, the alternative has to be as attractive at least as the car or we're just simply not going to get people out of their cars. And I mean, a bit, you know, 20% is a huge objective to have by 2030. We, we shall see. Ger Herbert, Motoring Editor for The Sunday Independent. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.